to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So, Liz. Yes. Remember way back Christmas 1982? Uh, kind of. <laughs> Maybe 81. The greatest decade, of course. Right. Ever. <clears throat> Remember when mom and dad could not score your preferred Cabbage Patch doll? I do remember. I remember the Cabbage Patch rage. It was like all the rage. And then you tried to find the Cabbage Patch doll that looked like you? They were hard to find. Any of them. I think the little preemies weren't hard to find, but (laughs) the regular ones. Isn't it sad that I remember that now? No, I think um, mine actually had blonde hair and like a mint jumper on or something. I do. I remember them and I remember that I my 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 mom did get us cabbage patch dolls but we weren't allowed to touch them because my mother th- saw them as like an investment you know what I mean like <laughs> because they were so hard to find that it wasn't like a toy for Liz on Hanukkah it was like a, you know an investment and was put up high on a shelf where I couldn't get to it so but I do remember that era <laughs> I do well, that sounds like a fun Hanukkah. They were all like that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's a show for another day. Little Hanukkah therapy. Um, <clears throat> so, because everything old is new again, mostly the 1970s, but um, now Joe Biden is threatening that little Jacob and little Olivia may not be getting their favorite Christmas presents this year, similar to what happened to us back in the 80s with Cabbage Patch Dolls. Yeah, I don't think that's how it's working right now. I mean, whoever wrote that speech for him is so out of touch. I don't know anyone who thinks that the the items that they can't get or that are scarce or that are hard to find are because there's you know, a demand for a collectible. Um, That was right. That was the cabbage patch fad was really because they were scarce. They hadn't made a lot of them and they were rare, but that's not the same thing as people not being able to find parts to repair their trucks or um, people not being able to buy appliances. Like when I was home in Vegas for Thanksgiving, um, we had to go to Home Depot for something. I love Home Depot. I'm weird like that. And they just did not have a lot of things in stock that, you know, I think I was looking, I asked my mom, I'm like, do you want me to buy you a new stove? Your stove is fine, but you know, she'd get a better stove. And so we're looking and there just wasn't a lot of stoves. And that's not because stoves are cabbage patch dolls. (laughs) It's not the same thing. I don't know. Maybe well, that's I'm just sorry. my experience. I'm sorry, Liz. I'm sorry you did not get your treadmill. Oh, Remember that's Jen, right. Jen, who is more evil in that administration than Jen Psaki, aside from Joe Biden himself? Like, she is the perfect face for this regime. She's she's awful. Look, that job sucks for no matter what. It sucks. That's my dream it's job. It's a horrible job. The only way you can have that job and make it not suck as if you're a troll and you troll the, troll the media because it's not a information seeking paradigm. It's 
well, under Trump or any Republican, it's um, adversarial, very adversarial. And under a Democrat, it's softballs and cozying up to get invited to state dinners and cocktail parties and the Christmas party um, and things like that. So it's in no way is the press conference about transmitting information that's neat, you know, that the public needs to know. Um, so you have to either be a troll or you, a psychopath. And I think maybe those categories do She's describe both. Jen, Jen Psaki. <laughs> She's so. basically both. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so Joe Biden, another stellar week for the man who stole the presidency. Um, really making America so happy with his nonstop fear mongering about COVID and now cabbage patch beanie babies. You're not going to get your Kung Fu GI Joe doll. Um, I don't know. People couldn't even get turkeys for Thanksgiving. I mean, I'm not sure how this, this is, this was supposed to play. You know, there were a lot of essentials. I know you know this already because we were chatting about it, but there's like no Hanukkah candles. <laughs> like, yeah. Explain that to our, <clears throat> let me our, explain yeah. to our listeners. So Hanukkah came pretty early this year. It was it um, on, started on Sunday and, um, and so I wanted to get some Hanukkah candles. I was at my mom's, I was in Vegas and my mom had, run out of Hanukkah candles the year before. So this is not an, a rare exotic thing to find. All right. That they, they usually have Hanukkah candles all the time. You just go to the very small Jewish kosher section in a usual market. And that's in the international aisle. And if you go, you walk by, you might miss it. Cause it's not a lot of stuff, but it's like matzah ball soup, matzah, kafilta fish, yard site candles, which is what you light when someone dies and you do a memorial every year, you use them, Sabbath candles, and there's Hanukkah candles. It's it's not hard to find them. So we try to find the Hanukkah candles. The no grocery store has the Hanukkah candles. And they said, oh, we just didn't get the shipment of Hanukkah stuff. Because again, even though Hanukkah isn't a huge, like usually significant Jewish holiday, like Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur, Passover, you know, we all celebrate Hanukkah and we make a big deal out of it. So little Jewish children don't want to be Christian because of Christmas trees and they get presents. Right. So we kind of are competing and we give gifts on Hanukkah, too. But there's always like a little Hanukkah display in every grocery store. You know, it's not huge. Obviously, it's not Christmas. That's like a tiny bit. Maybe it's an end cap where they have Hanukkah gelt, which is like Hanukkah coins or dreidels, which we spin. Um, it's a game we play on Hanukkah or some of us. It's kind of boring, but whatever. Um and they're, but the, the people at the grocery store were like, we never got our shipment in. And then a bunch of other stores said the same thing. It's, that's crazy. That, so it's not a beanie baby. It was not like we were looking for like a unicorn beanie baby. <laughs> we wanted Hanukkah candles. It was crazy. So. Um, that is crazy. And, you know, and it is like you were saying, just basic things that people are used to getting. And I mean, some of this happened before before Biden stole the presidency. You know, if you were trying to get furniture last year just because of covid, but it was difficult. But now whatever his policies are, whatever he's doing or not doing to speed things along definitely are impacting people and just the prices of things. And I'm not really I mean, 
of course, everyone gets sticker shock. But when it comes to food, I cannot believe the prices that I'm seeing for just the basics, just like eggs. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it has to have doubled in price. And oh, for sure. Me, beef. I, as some, I'm a carnivore. So I say like 85 yeah. to 90 percent of what I eat is meat. I, that's what I eat all day. Maybe I eat avocado or some cauliflower, but I eat meat. I eat ground beef. I eat short, I, all kinds of meat. Obviously my favorite is ribeye. Yeah. Like six, seven months ago, eight months ago, I could get a package of ribeyes from Costco for about $75. And that's like four, three to four ribeyes. The same, the same package now is $150. And wow, you know, they're not great. It's not grass fed. And look, Costco has good ribeyes. And I do prefer do. to get smaller farms, my ribeyes from smaller farms, but they're, they're not, they're not in stock a lot. And there is like a wait. So I went to Costco and I went to look it up and I was shocked that it was a $150 that, and I think that that same price raise was on, on all meat. It wasn't just ribeye. It was every cut of meat had gone up it, ground beef all of it. And people notice this. So the media does a really good job of spinning um, away unfortunate political circumstances on issues that are really abstract and that people aren't don't know about or aren't invested in, in in any kind of immediate way. But you cannot lie to people about how much their gas costs, about how much their groceries cost, and about how right. expensive their, their power bills are going to be. That is not something you can lie about. So people notice. Well, here's the dirty little secret. And this is why you don't see people like AOC, Bernie Sanders, et cetera, clamoring for lower prices for beef or at lower energy prices. This has been the objective. Well, they want this. Of yep. the climate change movement for the last five decades, they want they want people to stop eating meat altogether. <clears throat> they want high energy prices because they want to limit people's use of fossil fuel uh, energy. So this is all they're loving this. But of course, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and the evil John Jen Psaki can't come out and say. Well, just go look at the Green New Deal. Look at the climate change agenda. This is all what we've been asking for. So they're accomplishing Didn't, the goal. They're pretending that it's out of their hands, but it is precisely what the left has wanted for decades. That's why you're not seeing the leftists come out and say, pushing the White House to do more to bring these prices down. They want demand so high for beef that it it aces people out of the market for it. They want energy prices so high that people stop driving their cars around. They stop turning up their thermostats. This is what they want. They want truck. They want truckers not to be able to drive around because they are causing global warming. This is, I mean, it's in their playbook. It's very easy to find. So that's why you're not well, seeing very, outrage on the left. That's very interesting because I <clears throat> had read an article this morning from a Democrat pollster who was um, ringing the alarm bells to other Democrats and, quote, moderates. Um, it was really in the context of McAuliffe's loss in the governorship in Virginia, the brutal loss um, that I guess was 
unexpected, although I think a lot of people knew it was close. Well, anyway, this Democrat, one of the things the pollster was saying when he had focus groups and talked to voters, and he talked specifically to voters who voted for Biden, but did not vote for Terry McAuliffe, right? They voted for uh, North, was now Glenn, I can't even remember his name. Youngkin. Yeah, Youngkin. God. He's your governor. Help me. I know. I know. Soon almost. Not yet, but soon. (laughs) But I don't even remember. So, that's who we spoke to. And one of the things this pollster said that was really a problem for Democrats is that people don't feel like they are addressing the concerns of the people, right? That nobody's, that the number one issue is the economy for every, every subgroup, right? For Democrats, but for African-Americans, for women, for Asians, for Hispanics, for every group, the number one issue is the economy. And the economy has to do directly with the things that you talk to, right? You just talked about, right? Like um, energy costs are high, gas costs are high, meat and chicken and poultry and, you know, protein sources, they are high. And people want to know that their elected officials are addressing that, but then they can't address that because that's exactly what they want. And so there has to be kind of like a slow burn, um, if you're trying to do that, like to change people into not wanting to eat meat and drive cars and use their heater or their appliances in their house, you can't just go cold turkey on that and say, hey, there's just no meat anymore. And so people think that that the Democrats plan, their Green New Deal and their big fancy wishes for, um, you know, to stop climate change, um, they they don't realize that the that the voters aren't really on board for issues that are di- directly affect them. It's not the same as just paying lip service to some pie in the sky utopian dream that the left is always talking about. When you're literally saying, "Oh, you you know, if you ask a, a person, oh, you know, are you what what are you what's your position on climate change? Oh, we have to fight climate change. Right. We have to stop the planet from burning." And then say would you be willing to pay $500 more a month for your power in your house? And then it's like the brakes go on, right? Like the screeching noise. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So that's, I think that puts the Democrats in a bad position, but you are right. I mean, they're not interested in fixing any of that. Didn't somebody recommend who it was some media lollipop that said, maybe you shouldn't get a Turkey for Thanksgiving. Exactly. Before Thanksgiving when they were talking about the shortages, maybe you don't need a Turkey. Maybe you can just eat some porridge or some gruel or something. I think you could eat um, crickets. You could eat grasshoppers. Disgusting. But you know what, Liz? This is the beauty of what's been happening for almost a year, is that the left's motives agenda is on full display. Everyone is suffering the pain of their far left dystopian policies to your point, all the suburban wine moms are like, oh, my God, yes, we need to do more to stop climate change. Like our kids are going to burn alive if we don't get rid of fossil fuels by 2030. It's like, OK, bitch, now go to Costco and go pick up, you know, your prime fillets for your family while you eat, you know, sauteed broccoli or whatever. And then tell us how great it is that the Democrats are trying to jack up the prices on what they've talked about for years, eliminating meat production, 
labeling it as a contributor to greenhouse gases because cows emit methane. I mean, this is all documented. Okay, we're going to jack up all of your guests, all of you want to fill up, uh, you know, everybody's Range Rover in your driveway. Well, guess what? It's going to cost double what it usually does, sweetie. So in a way, you have to be gratified by this because these idiots who have played along with the Democrats agenda, to your point, they get, you know, oh, yes, we have to stop global warming. OK, well, this is what it's going to take. This is only part of the agenda of what they want. They actually want I mean, they want meat production to stop completely. So this is just little baby steps to get where they want to go. They want beef consumption to end. They want uh, fossil fuel use to end. I guess they think electric cars are, I don't know where they think the electricity comes from, the sky. It comes from fossil fuels. It's not coming from a wind farm. So even that is all folly. But um, Maybe people it, can a, just ride bikes or something. That, sure. That the wine mom can ride their bike to Costco in Chicago, which walk. is really lovely in the winter. No, they could ride their they can, Pelotons. They can ride their Pelotons <laughs> to to the local Winnetka Naperville <laughs> Costco. See how see how <laughs> so that, that is, is the beauty so of the true. Biden regime. Leftist agenda on full display and everyone's paying for it. So that's good stuff. So moving along, speaking of the Biden regime, the evil madman Anthony Fauci uh, was back making headlines over the weekend, visiting all the Sunday shows, gave an hour-long interview to Margaret Brennan, who is just a groveling, ridiculous example of a journalist who has spent the better part of two years asking Anthony Fauci how she should raise her children. Well, terrible idea. Um, so, Liz, he's back uh, worse than ever, wanting to inject babies with an experimental vaccine. What could possibly go wrong? And now ginning up uh, manufactured hysteria and fear over the Omicron variant, which apparently is a little less threatening than your average bad day of allergies. Well, they don't know anything about it. So they but they're stoking hysteria while simultaneously telling people to, like, be calm over the hysteria that they're that they're ginning up. They're, they're manufacturing. Now we've got, Biden is shut the borders, like has shut borders down from to, from people coming from from Africa because the Omicron or didn't Biden call it Omicron or something? He <laughs> called it something funny during a press conference. I think but that was the, a Cabbage Patch doll name, Omicron. It was <laughs> or Beanie Baby. Um, <laughs> but this variant was discovered in South Africa and it turns out that it had been discovered in Europe be before instead it was in South Africa. But the South African, I think, health commissioner had come out and said, we're just seeing some mild cases. You know, we haven't really seen anything to indicate it's more deadly um, or more transmissible than Delta, which we, we don't, they don't really know anything and they're not going to know for a couple of weeks. But in the meantime, let's freak everybody out. Let's crash the market. Let's start, you know, freaking people out. The Biden administration today just extended the mask mandate on transportation thing on uh, transportation medium. So airplanes, buses, trains, you got airports, got to wear a mask. That was extended. Um, you know, they need to have that fear so that they can control. And but really, the fact is, we just don't we don't really know right now. 
whether this is worse, better, the same, or or anything. We we don't know. It we just really that's the truth. So any freakouts, double mask, triple masking, you know they they're like, well, we don't know if it'll they don't we don't know if the vaccine will work against it. But go get vaccinated, okay? I mean, what what the hell? Well, because you just set this up perfectly. What they do, what they know for certain is the vaccines are not working as they sold them. First of all, it's not a vaccine. They sold it as a vaccine. They knew it was not a vaccine. We have clip after clip of Joe, everyone from Joe Biden to CDC director Rochelle Walensky to Fauci himself um, promising that if you got the vaccine, you would be safe and the pandemic would end. Well, here we are at the end of 2021. There are more COVID-related deaths this year than last year. Cases continue to spike in highly vaccinated areas and highly vaccinated states because, of course, just like what happened in Florida over the summer when Ron Death Santis was, you know, being daily, hourly harassed for climbing COVID cases and death rates. Of course, now that's happening in the Northeast and the Midwest. I think Michigan is in the top one or two states with the highest caseloads and hospitalizations. Well, of course, because it's got cold in Michigan and it started snowing in Michigan and everyone went inside. And of course, this is seasonal. So the people who have been double vaccinated and lining up to get their boosters now six months, what, five, six months, Liz, after these people got their second shot? Is that even is it even six months? I mean, you would know this. What what's the timetable? People started getting vaccinated in what? March, April, January, about January. Was it that early? Yeah, it was. Okay, I remember because I helped my mom because honestly, I couldn't get that shit in my mom fast enough. But my, but my, again, my mom's 79. She is a walking comorbidity of everything. No, and right. cancer survivor. And I was like, get, get in, get it in her, get it in her. But again, that's, you know, she, she, she is probably someone that should, should take the vaccine. And that was in January. So it was early because remember they, they um kind of rolled it out slowly for people being right. eligible. Right. So, but yeah, all the way back in January, and, and then if you got a first dose in January, you got your second dose in February, right? So for people who got Pfizer or Moderna. So, you know, you're by the time the boosters, people are talking about boosters, it's been six or seven months. Now we're learning, oh, maybe it, it wears out. You know, it wears out. So, and anyway, go ahead, and, Julie, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. And the promise of the efficacy of the vaccine and even Fauci has said that now the prophylactic effect meaning if you got the shot you could still get COVID you could still spread COVID even though they lied about that initially too uh, Rochelle Walensky did uh, it's documented Um, now Fauci is admitting well yeah we're still seeing hospitalizations ICU admissions and fatalities with people who are fully vaccinated So everything, just like from the very beginning, going back to February of 2020, everything that they've said is a lie. Every mitigation measure has made things not better, worse. We have more fatalities in 2021 in the U.S. from COVID than 2020, which seems inconceivable. And you saw um, Peter Ducey, Fox News, who is the only reporter who confronts Jen Psaki on the 
just ever never ending stream of lies that come out of the White House and confronted her, I believe, on Wednesday after everyone saying happy birthday to Jen Psaki, um, confronted her and said, well, wait, if every death was attributable to Donald Trump in 2020, we have more COVID fatalities in 2021. Is Joe Biden responsible for those deaths? And of course, she tap danced around it, lied that Donald Trump said people should inject bleach, which has nothing to do with the fatality rate 2020 versus 2021. So none of this is working. So, of course, then they have to manufacture outrage over a variant, which I think five people in the entire continent of Africa has. Fauci said during his press conference, the press briefing on Wednesday, that they've identified one person in California who has uh, Omicron, but only has mild symptoms and is fine. And you're like, what the fuck are you talking about then? Because they need a new fear mongering to excuse away their lies and the ineffectiveness. And quite frankly, down the road will be the completely counterproductive use of most of these vaccines. Yeah, I I agree. I think that they need to keep ginning this up. There's just been such a poor um, handling of not from the very beginning with the lockdowns to even the way that the administration is presenting the vaccines and how the vaccines are handled and really what the fuck are our public health agencies doing on is there I, I saw a story this morning that was out of England, not here, um, and it was involved the AstraZeneca vaccine and how they have been researching why there's clotting when associated in younger people with the vaccine. Is anyone in America doing any research about the adverse reactions of the vaccines? I mean, clearly there are people that have some very severe adverse reactions to the vaccine, whether it's clotting, whether it's um, the blood inflammation of your heart, um, neurological problems. Is anyone right. even looking into that? I mean, if, if this were an honest enterprise, we would have scientists that would be looking really hard into why people have reactions, not just to the vaccine, but also people have strange consequences of getting COVID too. I mean, clotting is, uh, you know, one of the side effects or uh, symptoms. I don't want to, I guess symptoms is kind of the right word, you know, for, for COVID. Why isn't anyone looking into that? Is anyone looking into treatments for people who get COVID? It's like right. all they want to talk about is vaccines, but how is it that we don't, you know, when people have the flu, we have Tamiflu, you know, I don't know if it works, but, you know, they, we have Tamiflu. If people have a cold, we say, ah, ah, take some Dayquil, take some, you know, Coracidin or whatever, take elderberry syrup. I don't know. We don't have, what, where are the fucking treatments on this? It's almost two years. It's literally, Julie, it's going to be, it's over two years since this shit popped up in, in China. Right. So wh- why yeah, aren't there any it treatments? It is two years. Right. Exactly. <clears throat> And I mean, it's been two years since it was here. There, I mean, I know right. that they said the first documented case was, I think, January 15th or something in the state of Washington of 2020. But of course it was here before that. There's no way it could have been spread in China, spreading in Italy and not be here the fall of 2019. Um, well, so where, you're right. Where are the they, treatments? Where are the, what, I mean, okay, it's great. There's like a vaccine or whatever you want to call it that's available. What about 
What about the treatments? If you get it, you just wait until you can't breathe and then you go to the ER. I mean, that is atrocious if that's supposed to be acceptable public health service from our government. Well, and I think, too, that the unvaccinated, because they've been so vilified and demonized, once they are sick, I think they're afraid to go to the hospital and tell doctors, no, I'm not vaccinated. I think they're afraid they're not going to get treatment. Um, and so they, they could be delaying their own treatment because they have been so ostracized by this White House and the news media, just so disgustingly. Now, it's okay if you weigh, you know, 500 pounds and you keep going, you know, keep stuffing your face and you've never exercised since third grade PE class. That's okay. You can keep going to the hospital and run up our, you know, medical costs. But God forbid you choose for whatever personal reason not to get a vaccine and you go to the hospital. They just had this issue in, in uh, Naperville, suburb here in Chicago, uh, Edward Hospital, where they had to go to court to force the doctor to give a 72-year-old man, um, I believe it was ivermectin, to help him recover from COVID. That's crazy. I mean, these doctors are on such a power trip. Um, you know what's weird is that, like, Let's put aside the question about whether ivermectin is or isn't effective. I, I don't really know. I'm persuaded that it is. But OK, fine. Like, let's just say we don't know. What we do know about ivermectin is that it's very safe. So even if it doesn't work for COVID, why would you just not give it to someone anyway? You know what I mean? Like, right. I don't know. It just seems it's ridiculous. It's like, well, he wanted a salad, but we were like, no, you can't have a salad. We're just not going to let you eat the salad now that you have COVID. It's like ivermectin is a very safe drug. It's been around for decades. Why would you just not give it? And that, of course, and because of people like me who ask these questions, this is this is why others are skeptical about the stories that were being told, you know, because it's so over the top insane to not just let someone take ivermectin. Or what hydroxychloroquine or whatever the hell it is. Twizzlers. Or maybe they think, I think Twizzlers will heal me. Okay, fine. Eat the Twizzlers. I mean, good <laughs> grief. So stupid. Well, I think the big difference between now <clears throat> and two years ago is every governor of these big states, including lockdown states, will be up for re-election in 2022. So it's one thing to have a Gretchen Whitmer shut down her state and use that to try to help her voters vote for Joe Biden, along with an FBI concocted story that white supremacists tried to kidnap her that was released, you know, three weeks before Election Day while early voting was going on. But set that aside. So they use the lockdowns to help promote the leftists, the Democrats, um, long desired voting, absentee voting rules, drop boxes, extended deadlines, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that worked in their favor. 2022 is going to be a little bit different because I think you could easily look at what happened in New Jersey and in distinction to what happened in Virginia, which was largely motivated by the battles over um, curriculum in that in that state. Why did Phil Murphy barely and probably did lose, but scraped up 13,000 votes somewhere in, in Newark to help him win. What was that about? You have to think New Jersey as one of the biggest lockdown states, Phil Murphy, who was out of the box very early, um, lockdown proponent, refused to open up his state. You have to think that what he did in that state and continues to do 
including masking children, I believe, is backfiring. And that's why he almost lost in a solid blue state that voted for Joe Biden by, what, 12, 13 percentage points. Um, So these blue state governors, even some red state governors, I'm sure, who are up for reelection, like Mike DeWine, who was horrific during the pandemic as well. It wasn't just Democrat governors who were bad. Republicans were, too. Um, You have to think that they are going to be very reluctant to do any kind of shutdown like they did in 2020 uh, to exacerbate voter, especially parental exhaustion and frustration with what these lockdowns do, especially to our kids. Yeah, that was something else that was interesting in the article I mentioned earlier from this dem- about this Democrat pollster that was sounding the alarm for Democrats. And one of the things that he mentioned is that a lot of parents, again, these are of Democrats that he was talking to, felt like the the Democrats didn't really care about shutting schools down. Like they really underestimated how how much that impacted families with children. Yeah. Like they didn't, they didn't care. They didn't sort of feel the, you know, or maybe empathize is the right word, but that they just kind of took it a lot more casually than it really was for people who have children. I mean, we have a labor shortage and part of that is because I think parents couldn't go to work because their kids couldn't go to school. I mean, I don't know, are all the schools open right now? Is Are some schools remote still? I, I have no idea. I mean, in Illinois, our schools are open, but our kids are masked all day. That's just And whatever. to think that that has not had an educational impact, of course it has. Well, and, and it's so, a burden for parents nonetheless. And a lot of people, that's who, right. a lot of parents feel like the government and the Democrat governors, mostly Democrat governors that were spearheading this. And of course, the teachers unions and the evil school boards and so on were all in support of this. And they didn't really take it as seriously as, as, you know, it was very cavalier to just, oh, we'll just shut the schools down. Who cares? Not not really understanding the chaos which that puts a family in is, you know, when your kids are supposed to be gone. So there I think there's going to be a big payback for this. And I also oh, think, I think that there's, so. there, there is. I, I, I really think 2022 is going to be a brutal rule. The real issue is are the dumb shit dumb fucking dumb shit brain fucker Republicans going to put in a bunch of dumb shits in office. How do you really feel? How do you really feel? No, but you know that that's what, right. Are we going to get like a bunch of Lindsey Graham's, you know, in, is that we're going to, or a Romney's or, you know, a Kinzinger or a Cheney or those, the kinds of candidates that we're going to put in place for the, from these governors, from school boards, from Congress and in the Senate, because if so, no, thank you. You know, I'm that's right. I'm tapping out. I'm checking out. I think you hit on, as usual, a brilliant point. So this on the state level, I think the covid restrictions and the two years of what this has done to our kids, what it's done to people's businesses, but mostly what it's done to people's children. I think that is going to be the deciding factor at the congressional level, House and Senate, even though there is about a 2% chance that Democrats will hold on to the House. How many retirements are we up to now? 20? It's a lot. 15, 20 Democrats? committee chairs, too. A bunch of Democrat committee chairs have resigned also, or have said that they're not going to run for re-election. So they know, so. they know what's coming. Um, yep. 
So there's no reason why Republican Republicans right now are on track not just to take the House, but really in a huge landslide and probably pick up the Senate, too, which is on. I mean, it's 50 50 split as is. So but what are they going to do with it? There's no point taking back the House if it is going to be led by Kevin McCarthy. Let's be right. honest. That's right. He has done little to nothing um, to advance the America First agenda, which represents the rank and file of the Republican Party right now. He gives a lot of lip service to it, but has done nothing. He cannot be forgiven for elevating Liz Cheney, who is an, who's nothing without her last name. She's not a prolific fundraiser. She's not even bright. She's not prepared. I She doesn't even really live in Wyoming. I guess she lives in D.C., doesn't she, or suburban D.C.? Um, yeah, she will. Yeah, probably. So he has done nothing. He said he has said nothing in uh, to object to the DOJ's weaponization. It's domestic war on terror against Americans on the right, not just January Sixers, but school board parents protesting at school boards. They've done he's done nothing, absolutely nothing on that front. So there's no point in putting the House of Representatives in the hands of Republican control if Kevin McCarthy is the leader, because even let's say you have someone like Devin Nunes, who is goes back to being head of the House Intel Committee, and he can do what he was attempting to do in 2017, 2018, was stymied by his own Republican leadership for 10 months sidelined under a bogus ethics investigation. But he can finally do retaliate. Will Kevin McCarthy go along with that? If Jim Jordan becomes chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Jim Jordan is sadly emerging as kind of a light version of Lindsey Graham. A lot of talk, no action. Um, he has seen what this DOJ is doing, has really done and said nothing. They should be outside well, the DOJ. Get that, he didn't get that position on the House Judiciary Committee because he's a troublemaker. He got yeah. that position as a reward for coming to heal. Right. So those people are never, you know, the 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 fact that Nunes is the chair of, was the chair of the House Intel Committee is an was, you know, out of the ordinary. They didn't expect they, I mean, because Nunes was never a big boat rocker before this. Right. So he was like a safe person to put in there. They only put safe people in there. So unless you get rid of McCarthy and change who are the committee heads, just go fast. Let's go rewind back to um, the tr the midterm elections during Trump and the Democrats took back the House. Go back and look at all the things they did, even though there was a Republican Senate and a Republican presidency. Look how much they blocked. Yep. We will. You know, the Republicans like to say, oh, well, we're in the minority. We can't do anything. Bullshit. Bullshit. Look at the mess the dumpster fire that the Democrats made in the house. Now, unless the Republicans are prepared to do that, then I am not, I am, I'm tapping out. I'm not interested in supporting them. I'm not. And we can, and this kind of leads to another related topic that we wanted to bring up today, which is what their um, Democrats are doing to Lauren Boebert. Um, and there has been a little fuffle uh, there's some House member on House member violence. So, Julie, you want to give us a quick summary of uh, what the kerfuffle is? So apparently Lauren Boebert and she is representative from Texas, right? I lose track. She's from, she's in Texas. Colorado. 
Is she Colorado? Sorry, I'm thinking of someone else. I am um, Colorado. So apparently she made a joke, some off-color joke about um, Ilhan Omar seeing her in an elevator or something with a backpack and something along the lines of her being a terrorist or not being a terrorist. I watched it, whatever, a week ago, something along those lines. It was a joke, probably shouldn't be said. Um, when you're under fire, you should use your power, you know, wisely, I think. Some of this stuff is self-inflicted wounds. But let's not forget who she's talking about. Ilhan Omar, a despicable person who was lucky to have migrated to this country and ever since has done everything in her power to try to destroy the foundations and criticize and undermine American values and our foundation. So, and you could pick up Ben Weingarten's book on her for all the details about her radicalism, her father's roots, their ties to um, Muslim radicalism. So, um, so we know who she is. She's also an anti-Semite. She was attempted, the House attempted to censor her. And then that resolution got totally watered down anyway. And then she's got her immigration problems where she married her brother, <laughs> allegedly. And then she, what, did she marry her fundraiser or her consultant? She did. And, now is pay- she did. and she's paid him, what, a million bucks out of her pack? Yeah. And he's yeah. he's making she's big money off of her. She's yeah. a low light. There's no defending her. So anyway, I guess this blew up and um, Kevin McCarthy, of course, intervened where he should have taken that opportunity to remind America who Ilhan Omar is. But he didn't because he likes to aim his fire inward and attempted to broker some phone call. Uh, so Bobert apologized on Twitter. Always a terrible idea. Never apologize to your enemies, no matter what, even if you did something stupid. Um so he negotiated some phone call. Apparently, Ilhan Omar threw her weight around and demanded more than an apology. That didn't go over well. And Lauren Boebert said no. And Ilhan Omar hung up on her. So that, that did Good. not go well. So this has escalated now into a major cat fight where then Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, who I like her more, more and more every day, uh, interceded to defend uh, Lauren Boebert and basically reminded, did what leadership should have done, which is remind America what a low life Ilhan Omar is. Then AOC got involved. And then Nancy Mace, the congresswoman from South Carolina, she had to weigh in too and got into a Twitter spat with um, Marjorie Taylor Greene. And there were some typos involved. There were some emojis involved. Jesus. <laughs> Always the women. Meow. Um, but <laughs> you should go get one of your cats and like squeeze them. And, I know. And make them hiss. <laughs> but I do think it is representative of the battle that's coming in 2022 between the base and the establishment leadership of the Congressional Republican Party. Are you going to side with people like a with Marjorie Taylor Greene, with Lauren Boebert, or are you going to side with the Nancy Maces, Kevin McCarthy's, and Liz Cheney's? That's the battle next year. Well, they are trying to strip Lauren Boebert of her committee assignments. Um, and they already, they did do that to um, Marjorie Taylor Greene. And didn't they, did they do that to um, yeah. 
Paul Gosar. What? Yes. Okay. Gosar. So my response to this is go fuck yourself because in 2022, we're going to have a list. That's right. And those people are going to get off their fucking committees. And the fact, and if the Republicans do not want to do this, you know that they're not serious. They, we're playing a game here where only one side is following the pretend rules and it's not the Democrats. So if the Republicans take back the House next year, they need to be like Adam Schiff off for leaking classified information. Um, President Eric, what's his name? Swalwell off. He was screwing a Chinese spy. We need an Ilan Omar and um, Rashida Tlaib and Ayanna Presley. Aren't they on like foreign services or Intel committee off out. You're out. Oh, the number one person they need to vote to strip of any committee or any powers. Adam Schiff. If they don't go after that guy, he needs to be target number one. He needs to be stripped of everything. And then they need to start about five or six select committees like Nancy Pelosi has into January 6th and go after the January Sixers, go after Adam Schiff and expose the Russia collusion, all of it, every single piece of it, the Biden crime family. I mean, you could easily have about 200 select committees going into all the Democratic um, scandals over the past five years. Hell, go back 10 years. Let's reopen Hillary Clinton's email scandal. Let's see what, let's look at all the records. Let's look at all the documents about that investigation. But the sad thing is, Liz, we can imagine that this is going to happen. We can fantasize that this is going to happen. But if Kevin McCarthy is in charge of the House, none of it's going to happen. That's right. It's, It's important that the Republicans who are in office understand what the state of play is right now. And if they want to go in and and like they always have and be like, oh, we're not going to do that. That's wrong. Or we shouldn't be abusing power like this. Well, then you're then then everyone's going to get crushed because only one side is following the quote rules. And it's not it's not the Democrats. And so I think that um, if they should that Lauren Boebert should not apologize until Ilan Omar apologizes for every race baiting, anti-white, anti-Semitic, anti-whatever shit Anti-American. she's doing to dehumanize her political opponents and basically right. make them targets for violence until right. she's willing to just, you know, step away from that and apologize. There should be no apologies given. There should be no apologies given. That is Never. what I think. Never. You know, what's interesting is um, a little bit of fight back that we're seeing to this January 6th committee. Of course, it's not coming from Republicans in the House. It's coming from um, Steve Bannon and people like Bernie Carrick and people like Jeffrey Clark, who is the um, associate assistant, deputy something, blah, 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 attorney general uh, during the last few months of the Trump administration being targeted by these committees. And they're basically like, okay, two things. We're invoking the fifth just like your people have done, uh, which apparently now is a crime. The genius representative, Benny Thompson, told Rachel Maddow last night that because Jeffrey Clark is invoking his Fifth Amendment rights, it means that he's a criminal, which is what he said in an interview last night because he's the constitutional wizard, Benny Thompson. Um, But also Steve Bannon has said and Bernie Carrick has said, no, okay, subpoena us. That's fine. You want to charge us with them? Uh, uh, contempt of Congress. That's great. We want all the evidence and we want it. We want it opened up. 
We want the public to be able to see all the evidence that you say you have against us, all the witness statements, all the documents, communications, etc. That's fine, but we want all the evidence. So what does the January 6th committee come back? Oh, no, 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 no. That's privileged communications. We can't tell you what's happening in the January 6th committee, although they want to open up basically every single correspondence, meeting log, phone com- phone conversation, email, letter, dear diary entry from Donald Trump dating all the way back to April 2020. They want that out because, of course, they're going to start leaking it. But Steve Bannon turns around and says, "Okay, fine. Open up your books then. We want to see it. And the January 6th committee comes back and says, no, no, no. Well, what happens? The Press Coalition, which is an organization representing 13 news or major news organizations, the New York Times, CNN, ABC, NBC, CBS News, Fox, um, Wall Street Journal, um, they are working with a lot of these defendants, surprisingly, um, trying to unseal evidence that is under protective orders, including video evidence. They have joined Steve Bannon and asking the court to demand that the January 6th committee release all of the evidence that Steve Bannon wants released. So this has taken a very interesting turn because you have the January 6th witch hunters from DOJ to their prosecutors to now the committee itself demanding every little teeny tiny shred of evidence from people while concealing the evidence that they want to keep under wraps. So this is going to be an interesting battle. I think Bannon I think there's a hearing next week. I think maybe on the 7th um, is his next hearing. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens here. This is a this is a fascinating sideshow. Well, I think that that's I think that Steve is doing the right making the right play. I mean, let's get it all out there and not weaponize it. Just like, again, we only need to go back to the Russia collusion hoax to see how the Democrat-controlled government hoards information and very selectively curates it and spins it out into the public. Because this is really not about anything other than doing punishing political enemies. That's it. This, This isn't about people who are really afraid of what, you know, of force worried about the conditions of security on the Hill. Um, They don't really think that these people are dangerous terrorists. I think a lot of this is punishing political enemies. So, yeah, we have to retaliate. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, put, put it all out there. I mean, look, it's our legal system is supposed to be you know, is is to err on the side of the defendants, really, to make sure that they get a fair trial and that there is a fair hearing of the case that the government or the plaintiffs bring against the defendants. This idea where we hide everything and we don't give the defendants access to the information that the state, which has much more resources than any um, defendant attorney would have, and hide it. I mean, it lets you know that this is truly just another PR operation. It's a shame. Um, before we sign off, I think we need to acknowledge something that the media has just disgustingly memory hold, and that is the savage attack in um, Waukesha, Wisconsin, of a maniacal, demonic monster who took his SUV, which apparently it was the SUV's fault, not Daryl Brooks's fault. 
that he intentionally ran down everyone from 70-year-old dancing grandmothers to children, 8-year-old boy who passed away from his injuries, several people still in the hospital, including children, um, trying to recover from their injuries from this vile monster mowing them down at a Christmas parade. Now, this is a story that was quickly buried by the media. I don't even think you'll find it anywhere in the Washington Post, New York Times, CNN, et cetera, uh, any re- updated story um, talking about Daryl Brooks's background, his criminal history, the prosecutor who let him out on, what, a $1,000 bail, even though he has a lengthy criminal record. Uh, and of course, his political views, no one in the media is interested in this. And uh, But it was a massacre. It obviously was motivated by his hate by his political views, his racial views, and very likely was prompted by the media coverage of the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, trial and everyone from Joe Biden down to the local local yokel reporters uh, claiming Rittenhouse was motivated by white supremacy, even though he shot three white people. Um, And But no one seems interested in an examination of what happened. Um, And so I think it's important that we note that and that people should not forget or let the media just bury what happened there. Well, the media, the media method is or the 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 way the media operates is that the um, amount of coverage a tragedy gets is related to the victims and the perpetrators. So um, this has already been memory hold pretty quick, but if you remember not that long ago to the October 1st shooting in Las Vegas, that also mysteriously just kind of like, we don't know what happened. Oh, well, move along. Uh, You know, again, a lot of sort of white Trumpy type people at a, at a country music concert shot, killed, I think the worst terrorist attack um, since 9-11, really, uh, right. you know, and we just we just we don't know what happened. That's too bad. OK, bye. Um, a lot of questions left surrounding that. The media not so curious, uh, but plenty curious about Kyle Rittenhouse trying to not curious about this. Um, what it, black nationalist like anti-white dude that killed those people in in Wisconsin. Um you know, it's they're very selective about who they what what tragedies they cover. And, you know, it's gone. It gets noticed and it's not really good for the public. So that's that's it's very sad because there were children that were hurt and killed. Yes. And this guy intentionally went to just go kill them. So anyway, so that's our show today. Thank you for joining us. I hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. You know, Julie and I both had a nice Thanksgiving. And please remember to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. And we will be back next week. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week. Bye.